Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I am joined by producer Corey. Producer Corey, how are you doing today? Doing great, Joe. How are you doing today? We're doing not too shabby, man. I mean, uh, NHL season has started today, or, or yesterday, great rather. Great, great day. It's a good day. It's a great day for pucking, you know? So how well, we're going to obviously get into the NBA, um, but I want to give producer Corey a moment here to talk, tell us just how good our New Jersey Devils are and what are his teams that he thinks he wants to keep an eye out for because Corey is actually our resident puck guy. The guy's a wizard at the puck line parlay as well. Not just a wizard, uh degenerate. <laughs> um, does it matter if I'm plus or minus in my overall betting career for that? No. Uh, no. The highs are high. The lows aren't that low. It's a blast. You wrap them together and make it more fun. It's awesome. You can make that empty netter really, really make you want something to happen in a game that you have no actual feelings about. It's fantastic. It's the best. Yeah. Chaos. It's also like one of those like those wins where it's just like there's a reason why you can get there. It's not like run line in baseball mm-hmm. where it's like nobody cares if you win. There's by a more setup than one at the end of every game that any team that's down by one, there's a good chance they're about to lose by two. And yeah, it's so much fucking fun to watch. <laughs> so I like I do appreciate a good puck line bet, and you're getting you're almost like always getting pretty good odds. And like, don't even get me started yeah. on a reverse puck line. I d- I dabbled once, never again. I already like, have one you, problem. I don't need two. Where you sell the points? It's crazy. So I I do think that it's it's definitely an interesting angle. Um, who who are really like the title favorites this year? And is there a bet that you are going to make? besides the New Jersey Devils? Or is there a team that you're most concerned about from the Devils' perspective? Maybe the better way to frame it. Yeah, uh, we actually have in-division issues. The Metro is stacked. We have the Hurricanes, who are the current favorite, which, like, what up, Ben MGM? Like, get a new fucking hockey guy. That's odd. Um, They're at plus 900 right now. Not great value. No. Um, the Devils are plus a thousand, right behind them. Not not far off. You know, not last nearly year as I had juicy a great last year. On the Devils, not nearly as no, juicy. I couldn't I couldn't justify touching it this year, so uh, I'm bailing on that. But what I was gonna do, I do think if you have a free bet, that's not like the worst way to do it. Sure. Like where it's like if you want look, some like, like throw some free bets on it so you have something for the future. You know what I mean? Like if you want to build a position, but like you don't love the number or don't want to really lay the cash, that's always yeah. a good way to do it. Like take those free bets, just roll them back into, you know, your futures portfolio. And not worry about it. Yeah. That's how it's I feel hard. about it. Cause it's not cash. It's fake money. It's not real. It's, it's boy math, boy math guys. It's they gave free me bets. this. So it's not real. <laughs> free bets um, is literally boy math. <laughs> yeah, and then I took a tax class, and I can just say I didn't um, actualize my gain. Yeah, because you didn't withdraw, right? <laughs> yeah, so therefore it's not—it's free money. Um, anyway, Calder <laughs> Memorial Trophy, right? This is the Calder Cup. Sorry, not the Calder Cup. The Calder Cup is the AHL Championship. The Calder Memorials for Rookie of the Year. Heavy favorites, Connor uh, Bedard, who's playing right now. Did he hit six shots yet, Joe? Uh, I don't think so. Let me take a look. I've been hawking this one. He's he's fucking he's sitting sick. at five, he's man. Sick. He's sitting well, at five. Now they're just toying with your feelings. I'm so pissed. He's had like four the entire. He's had like I think he's got like eight, and they've only counted five. So he's the like 
number one favorite, minus 135 to win, you know, best rookie, rookie of the year. Two spots back, I see value. And a homer pick. Hit me. Luke Hughes, baby. He was showing some. That Jack Hughes brother? Yep. Insane skill when he started um, towards the end of the season last year with the Devils. Uh, Really showed his chops in the playoff scenario, too, which kind of gives me like, huh, he might have a little more confidence than maybe some of the other rookies that have been, you know, just kind of getting their feet wet with the pros. Like he danced with them in the most important time of year where people are out for blood. There are no friends on the ice. Um, so you can get him right now at plus uh, nine fifty, and he's like, you know, he's top three. I I don't um, hate that. I mean, and like it's like you said, it's like you can always build a position. So it's yeah. like if you I'm think hedging that it's, on the home team, and it's you know whatever. I might be really depressed come June, but we'll find out. Hey, sometimes that's just the way you got to do it. Like, really depressed, really broke, whatever. We always talk about hedging on your happiness, but sometimes you can just double down on your depression, and it's yeah. fine. So yeah, but that's my little uh, my little dark horse for the Calder, just because you know if. Bedard didn't really have as much experience with the big boys. And I don't, I mean, you know, he could also just turn around and light it up. He didn't get six shots on goal tonight, but he might have six goals in the next three games. I don't know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that'll do it. That's pretty legit, right? But who there, the fuck's right? going to bet on that at minus 135? That's just no, stupid. It's, it's not fun. Like, nobody no, wants that. It's the future. We got to have a little something. Yeah. You got to get but in yeah. there, like, have a good time with it. Like, you know, call it a day. Luke Hughes for the Calder. Who knows? I like it. I like it. I um. Is there anything else that you like in terms of puck right now, or is it just go devil? Too early, season? bud. Too um, too early. Just any, it's just nice to have that fresh pal, that fresh ice. You know. Oh yeah, watching people fight. We already saw someone like break a nose on a stick. Like it's. I love this. It's the, it's so much better than football. Like. <laughs> I'm just so happy I don't have to pay attention to the fucking Giants, and I can just put on any NHL game to just take me away to a more violent place. Yeah, Jenna um, was like, Jenna was like, "What do you have on TV today?" And I was like, "Oh, like we have the Devil, like or whatever game was. I think it was Tampa at the time." And I was like, "I just need to feel something that's not the yep, New York Giants." Tampa, Vancouver, a lot yeah. of blue on the ice too. It was a yeah, it was a good game though. Good game, good game. <laughs> uh, but that is a uh, that's going to take us to the other sport that we love that comes down into the colder seasons, and uh, we've got. We've got a lot of NBA basketball right now. The Dallas Mavericks actually lost to Real Madrid today or yesterday. Um, So that's hilarious in so many ways. Uh, The other thing is on the low, uh, as you guys have noticed, I've been logging my W or not my WNBA, but some of that as well. But I've been logging my preseason NBA bets in the Action Network app. Uh, I try to keep these bets at like, 0.25, 0.35 units. Like I I just don't see the need uh, with all the variables, including, you know, taking players out, like whatever to go and like bet like full units on these, on these matches, on these games. However, would like to say on 10 bets of all, like all of them below really like 0.25, one bet we had the Knicks at 0.35, the Knicks opened at minus three and a half and closed at minus nine. They covered the opener that we hit. And they didn't cover the closing line, but we are eight and two at plus two point five four units, including a four leg under parlay on the second day of the NBA preseason. So be sure to keep an eye out for those. The one play that I do like for today's 
NBA preseason slate. I'm looking at it right now. We've got Celtics minus two and a half against the Philadelphia 76ers. Part of why I like this is exactly why I didn't like them against the New York Knicks. So against the Knicks, it was the second game of a back-to-back in preseason, which is just preposterous for so many reasons. Like, I don't know why you would ever schedule a back-to-back in the preseason. Like, they barely play on back-to-backs in the regular season, let alone in preseason. It is this game against the Sixers is actually their third game in four days. Um, And the thing here is Boston is really trying to actually play their starters to a certain degree because they need to get them some reps and they need to get these lineups, some reps uh, between, you know, Derek white being in there. They're playing drew holiday off the bench, which I think is fascinating. I'd also like, I don't agree with it, but I understand it, right? Because Derek White, they've been talking to Derek White like all offseason. That's part of why they shipped off Marcus Smart to grab, you know, in that transaction where they were able to ultimately land Chris Stapp's Porzingis. They were looking to get an offensive upgrade. They were like, you know, we can we can do this with Derek White. They're telling Derek White he's going to be starting point guard for the team. And then all of a sudden you get Drew Holiday. Great. Awesome. Drew Holiday is arguably the second best player on the team. Um you know, people are going to squawk about Jalen Brown, but like, look, depending on what you're looking at, I think there's a diff, there's an argument to be had regarding Drew Holiday and Jalen Brown. Um, but when you, with, with that consideration, they're playing Drew Holiday off the bench. And I think that's fascinating uh, because Boston is a little bit lighter in terms of their depth. Do they, do I think that they ultimately use Drew as like a Malcolm Brogdon type of role? I don't think so. I think it would be like, I think it's a waste because I think that there's no circumstance where they shouldn't be closing games really with Drew, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Porzingis realistically uh, at the five. And Horford should probably be coming off the bench uh, at that point or be on the bench. I guess it kind of depends on the matchup. But I think that it's crazy if Drew isn't seeing like normal minutes. But Right now in preseason, I think it's particularly relevant because they're trying to acclimate Drew to the playbook. Uh, He obviously has not had a huge time or a huge opportunity to really play and get to see a lot of how Boston wants to run things. But you're getting to actually get a bench unit right now with like real players. Uh, Boston's got Sam Hauser. They've got Peyton Pritchard, who they just extended, even though Peyton Pritchard like requested a trade last year. Remember that? That was crazy. So now he's got his four year, $30 million contract. So awesome for him. But there's like a little bit more legit lineup to me coming out of Boston right now. And you have some of these other guys, like the younger guys, they're really fighting for rotational minutes um, because you just don't know, like Boston's thin. So they do have some space in like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, even like on their rotation to kind of build up some of those spots, build up some of those minutes, build up some of those roles. So I really do like Boston in the spot. They're minus two and a half against Philly. I know that it's in Philly. There's some rumors like, is Harden going to play? Is Embiid going to play? It's not really clear. Um, They didn't play... Uh, they didn't play on Sunday night against Boston. And then now you get to play. Now they're going to kind of play again. Uh, Maxi should continue to play very well, but I'm a little bit skeptical about whether or not they're going to play in this game 
as well. Uh, you know, Harden kind of just joined back with the team. I don't know if they're going to want to push him to get out there and perform, uh, especially because of some of the holdout issues that they've kind of had. Uh, I think they want to maybe kind of keep that under wraps, keep him off the floor, make sure that there's no issues there. And then Embiid, it's just like, even if he does play, how many minutes is he going to play? We already know that he's the MVP. We know what he's capable of doing. And I don't see why Philly is going to push him in the spot. So I do like I do like Boston minus two and a half. I think that this line could balloon a bit uh, just based on some of the news that might come out of Philadelphia in regards to this. So that's one of the plays that I'm looking at. That's a spot that I really like. But again, the preseason is generally a spot where we want to bet on underdogs. I think that a lot of times, especially with these veteran-laden teams, we see them rest their players, and I think that that's particularly important when you're trying to cap these games. So, like I said, whenever you see like one of those plus two hundred money lines, that's definitely a spot that I like to target. You only need to win one out of those, like you know, one out of three, and you're kind of getting your money back. So, I do like I do like those underdogs. Um, I want to pivot a little bit to the regular season here. I do plan on having you know a little bit more formal futures podcast, but I do have some spots that I want to talk about. One of those spots that I want to talk about is the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that Memphis is going to be good this year. I think that despite the John Morant suspension, they should be a playoff team in the West. I think that their floor is too high. I think that last year, one of the things that you looked at and you're saying, well, like, you know, they, they did okay without Ja, like they managed, like, and they've done that now the past two seasons when whenever Ja's missed, and now he's set to miss the first 25 games of this season. And I think that it's being a little bit overrated. I do have concerns about the fact that they aren't bringing back Tyus Jones, but the acquisition of Marcus Smart, significant. I think having Desmond Bain out there is also going to be critical. Bain is my favorite bet or one of my favorite bets right now to win the most improved player in the league. I think that he's able to make that all-star jump. There's points in the season where he's making like four threes a game. And I do think that when we look at Bain's stats, right? Like with and without John Morant, it's significant. Um, but one of the things that I think is most, one of the things that I think is most important for this spot is that, Bain is able to handle the ball effectively. He's able to distribute effectively. And I think that that's going to be one of those spots that you see a spike. So without him last season, we saw an uptick in his assists per game. Obviously, like people are saying, well, like there's going to be an uptick in points. There's going to be an uptick in scoring, right? But I think that the distribution is something that's critical. So with Ja. Bain averaged 21.3 points per game, 5.1 rebounds per game, and 4.1 assists per game. Without Ja, he was averaging five assists per game, but similar rebounding and points per game stats. So even though he saw like a little bit of an uptick in volume, he saw a little bit of a decrease in efficiency. I do think, though, that the big key for Memphis is going to be their defense. And that is going to come down to the fact that they were without Steven Adams for so many games last year. And then now they're going to get him back. And between him and Jaron Jackson Jr., you're really nailing down the paint. And then you also now added an elite perimeter defender in Mark Smart. Granted, he's a little bit older, a little bit more miles on the wheels, but you know he did win a Defensive Player of the Year. So now you have back-to-back -back Defensive Player of the Year winners between Jaron and Marcus Smart. I think this is an upgrade. He's an upgrade over Dylan Brooks. There's no way around that, uh, basically on every side of the ball, in my opinion. The other thing that's interesting, though, is... 
with Steven Adams there, he can get those rebounds that we saw Jaron Jackson Jr. struggle with over the course of really the season. We saw him struggle with it in uh, in international play. And Steven Adams can kind of be that bruiser that allows Jaron to play out on the perimeter. So the big thing last season uh, was that Jaron scored about five more points per game without Steven Adams than with him. Uh, he was averaging 20.7 points per game compared to 15.8. I think part of that had to do with the fact that Jaron was playing a lot more minutes at the five, and it was a little bit of a tougher matchup for opponents to match up with him because you're trying to have centers cover Jaron Jackson Jr. on the perimeter as opposed to maybe a four or like, you know, like maybe like a lengthier three or something like that where Jaron's trying to stretch the floor to a certain degree. So I do think that all of that's relatively important here. Um, and just the fact that he's probably not getting a couple of those put back opportunities. And he didn't, the one thing that's notable though, is he didn't see a real difference in terms of his rebounds per game, which is a little bit surprising uh, considering that Steven Adams was averaging basically 10 rebounds per game last season. So those are all, those are all some angles with Memphis where I think that they're going to have an elite defense this season. And I, even though I question you know, some of their ability to score. Like, I don't really trust their offense, especially without John Morant. Uh, I do think that they are going to have an elite defense. Last season, they already had the second adjusted defensive rating over the course of the entire season at 111.2. I wouldn't be surprised to see them have the number one defense by a pretty significant margin, especially given the fact that Cleveland is going to be without, it looks like they're going to be without Jared Allen for a bit. Boston took a pretty significant hit in terms of their defense with the acquisition of Chris Porzingis instead of, uh, you know, keeping Marcus smart there. So there's going to be definitely some wrinkles here. You know, Milwaukee was fourth. They lost Drew Holiday and kind of opted for a little bit more offense. So there's definitely going to be some opportunity here for Memphis to see an uptick and an improvement in their defense. And I think that's how they're going to win games. So I'd be looking at Memphis, you know, game total unders to start the season, especially against their opponents, maybe some team total unders, just because I think it's going to be a very rough, it's going to be rough sledding there. And I could see that offense kind of getting a little bit bogged down without, you know, the type of point guard play between John Morant and Tyus Jones leading like kind of at the helm. And you're kind of looking at a little bit more non-traditional point guard role there. The other thing that I do like, and I'm interested in, is I'm very interested to see how Luke Kennard plays this season. I think they're going to need him from a scoring perspective. So early on in the season, I'm probably going to be looking at Luke Kennard threes just as an ability and his ability to space the floor as basically like a 40% three-point shooter, which is just a preposterous number. So between him and Bain, I, I kind of do expect some good things between the two of them, and especially with Marcus Smart being not a guy that's like, oh, I need to get my shot, like a little bit more like Dylan Brooks, but is a little bit more willing to pass and kind of set up his teammates. So uh, those are definitely some angles that I'm looking at there. Uh, I think the way you tackle Memphis, and this is a question that I posed to uh, a couple of people, and I'm curious to see what your guys' reaction to this is. Like, what do we think the comp for Memphis is? Because I think that we've kind of seen what their struggles are in the postseason because they're really so offensive centric through jaw that as good as they can be defensively, it's definitely hard for them to score and keep up with some of these other teams like, you know, Denver, Golden State, uh, the Lakers, like these these like elite offenses. Right. I think of them as the comp that I came up with was the Detroit 
the Detroit Pistons with Chauncey Billups, right? Like you have a pretty elite point guard play in terms of John Morant, Chauncey Billups. You have the strong interior defense with Ben Wallace. You know, you have Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams. I think that the difference here is that Bain is significantly better than like Wallace, in my opinion, or Prince. So that's really the spot that I think is different here. But the comp to me is that I think that, you know, Detroit, they won that title, but were they really that good? Or is it just kind of, you know, like a teamwork thing? And and that's one of those things with Memphis where I don't know if they can really win a title. Like, I don't see that in their ceiling, but I do think that there's some reason to play, you know, them to go over their win total, then to go over their seeding because their seeding is at six and a half. And I don't think that they're going to be in the play. And I think that they're going to be a playoff team just off the bat. And I think that with Memphis, you can really look at this team and say like, this is a good team. Like they're pretty stacked top to bottom and their defense is really going to carry them. So I, I like Memphis. I think that you can look at some of their alts. And I think that those are generally better ways to play this team because of the fact that if you're right, you're probably right by like, not just like a little margin. Like you probably are really right uh, when you're betting on Memphis here. So I, I think that you're with a lot of these teams, it's hard to bet the win totals in my opinion, because I think that you're leaving a little bit too much skin on the bone. Right. Um, And that, uh, that that's, that's a little bit more of like a holistic conversation here. Right. It's a little bit more of like a overarching conversation when we're talking about leaving a little bit of skin on the bones uh, leaving a little bit of like trying to get the most out of what our angles are. Right. So when we talk about betting and we talk about angles, we talk about edges, you can, you can obviously do well, like betting straights, like a lot of people do. But I think that the problem is, is that you have to be obviously at minus 110, you have to be right more than 52.3% of the time. When you are really right, you don't benefit from that. Um, like it doesn't matter besides like maybe you don't sweat it or like you think that it's really awesome. Like these are binary results. So if I place a bet on, uh, let's say Desmond Bain over two and a half threes, right? And I'm really right. And he makes three threes in the first like five minutes of the game. And it's like, sick, I cash that. Plug, right? But it's like, it doesn't, like it's awesome that that hit but if I was capping it in a way where I was like, look, like I expect him to have exceptional volume in this spot because of X, Y, and Z. Like it's a great matchup. There's good pace. There's this, there's that. And I only bet the baseline at maybe like, and especially with props, like it might not be at minus 110. It might be like minus 135, minus 140. And I don't play any of the alts. I think that you're kind of giving away that edge. I think on a night to night basis, like sure, like you can bet the flat lines. And I'm not saying that you need to ladder or take alternate lines or escalate every single time you play something. But generally, if you think that you have a good angle, and you think that you have an edge, you should be trying to maximize that. Like, I don't look at things like I know some people that do projections and, you know, people that do projections, they'll say, well, I have this guy based on my models, based on my projections at 23 and a half points or 23.7 points. And their line is at 22 and a half. Um, I think that there's value here because I have like a, like a 7% edge on the market and that's good enough for me. I'm not a model 
better. That's not how I do it. Like I will look at projections. I, you know, I talk to people that do projections. I use, you know, some of the tools that are available to me, uh, between like roto grinders, action, et cetera. And like, I'll look at what the projections are, but I don't think that projections are everything. I think that they're a piece of the puzzle that you can use. Right. So if you look at projection and you're like, well, that's like a little off of what I thought, then maybe it's a reason for me to look at it and say like, what am I missing? I don't use it to like completely determine what my bet is or like if I think that there's an edge in that way, shape or form. I'm looking at projections and I'm looking at like what the matchup is and what I think the on-court matchup is going to show or like what the defense is going to be. So some of the things with that, it's really about combining all of the information that you have available to you and then trying to spit out a different result. So like when I'm looking at a game, like one of the spots that we always target throughout the season has always been, you know, the Atlanta Hawks against the Milwaukee Bucks in the regular season. It's a great matchup for the Hawks because they shoot a decent amount of threes. So they have historically, it's been a little bit less because of DeJounte, but with Trey at the helm, like it's always like a pretty good opportunity for Trey might even be better this year. Now that they don't have drew holiday, but Milwaukee just plays drop in the regular season. That's what they do. Like they aren't trying to do anything crazy. So you have these spots where you can kind of take advantage of, what regular season matchups and regular season things these teams do. That's not necessarily indicative in the numbers uh, or in the stats or whatever, but like you can kind of look at it and say like, well, I, I know that this is how they play and it's going to give us this edge, even if the projections don't necessarily line up there. So what I'm trying to say is when you handicap a game, and you say, well, I think the pace is good. I think that this team gives up a lot of threes in this way. They gave up threes to this exact type of player, even though like I have them based on like their regular season projections or what they've generally done so far this season or last season, historically, you know, on a nightly basis with this many possessions, et cetera, then there could be some discrepancies there or like you're not really capturing just how good of an edge it is. So the... It's it's a little bit of that, and it's also about the number. So, you know, I can look at something and be like, oh, like this guy's going to have a great game, but the number might not be there. So I'm not going to be able to bet it. Like, just because you think that in this matchup, like, let's say, like, let's use the Bucks Hawks example again, right? And you look at it and you're like, well, Trey, like, has played, like, great against, has played great against the Hawks or against the Bucks, rather. And, you look at the number and you're like, okay, so like the last couple of games he's played, he's had 21 points, 42 points, 27 points, 30, 42. So those are all like great spots against Milwaukee. Um, but let's say like his line is at like 29 and a half. And you're like, that's like, it's just too high. Like it, you're, you're not really capturing the edge. You're not getting as much bang for your buck there. So even though you might say like, this is how I, I think it's going to go, you might be able to pivot and say like, well, if he's doing that, how does it impact the other players on the team? Like if Trey scores 30 points, does it mean that it, there's going to be unders for somebody else on the roster? Um, that's definitely the way that I would try to look at it and try to capture your edge in a variety of different ways, because sometimes the obvious that might be just too obvious or it's already kind of cooked into what the line is so i think that when you have these edges and you have the ability to maximize them you need to kind of hammer these lines so early in the season one of the spots that's tough is i, I always see a lot of people saying like well i i don't like we don't have a lot of data like we don't know like we don't know how this is going to go i don't 
really agree with that. I don't, and I've said this on numerous occasions. I don't agree with that. And the reason I don't agree with that is because that's what where you have the biggest edge. So like if you're watching games, if you're understanding and capping these teams and you're watching the way that these teams have played against each other, or you understand the defensive schemes that like a coach likes to run, then you understand what the weakness is or what the edges in this matchup are just from a personnel perspective without seeing a hit rate chart. Like I don't need to see a hit rate chart to know that this particular player plays well against this type of defense or against this type of player uh, just historically. So, you know, or it's like a good matchup for them. So those are some of the things that I think are very important to keep in mind and why it's important to say like, well, if I don't play this right now, I'm not going to get it next game after he did it this game. Um, So I think sometimes you have to, it's like you're trying to catch a knife, like a falling knife, but at the same time, it's not because you have the, you have the edge. Like you already know what the advantage is there. You don't need confirmation bias, trust yourself. And I think that that's something that, you need to do in order to really maximize what your edge is because they go away. The books adjust and then you're not going to get that line anymore. So where you might get one spot at, you know, plus 400 plus 500 plus 600. If you don't hit that hard the first time you might be looking at plus 200 the next game. So you completely lost your ability to really take advantage of that spot and, you know, teams might have seen that and then they start making adjustments. So then it's like impossible to even do again uh, where, you know, you kind of were like, well, like I was right. Like, I wish I hit that. Like, I know I was right, but you didn't do it. So I think you need to trust yourself a little bit more to a degree and take advantage of those edges when you do have the opportunity to do so. All right. So the next topic that we're going to pivot to is it's a little bit of a hard pivot, but I want to talk about the MVP award and who I think is going to win and who my favorite bet is to win this, this coming season. Obviously there's been Jokic for, you know, the past three years has been in the discussion winning two last year, Joel Embiid won. It's been dominated by the center position over the last couple of seasons. Obviously like centers always have a little bit of an opportunity to kind of rack up some numbers in an interesting way, just because of the fact that they're like, they're always going to, these guys are always scoring. They're always grabbing rebounds. And then if they can dish like at all, then you're kind of seeing a pretty significant bump, especially in EPM and, you know, what their advanced metrics are going to look like, whether it's EPM, VORP, et cetera. I think that my favorite bet this season, we'll talk about some of the odds here on, you know, 365, FanDuel, whatever. You're generally seeing Jokic at the top. He is the number one favorite to win this award again. Do I think he's going to win it? I struggle. I struggle to see it, to be honest with you, uh, just based on the fact that I think that he has to be better than he ever was. Uh, And I question just how much Denver is going to necessarily try in the regular season, given the fact that they, you know, they don't really need to try, I guess. Uh, They know that they're a playoff team. They know that they're a title contender. They obviously just won the NBA title. I think their motivation is going to be a little bit more lower and they're going to just be looking at the postseason. A couple of players that I do that are next are Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic plus 550, Giannis plus 600, Tatum plus 750, Embiid plus 850, Steph Curry plus 1400 Durant plus 1600 SGA 18 to one Devin Booker 22 to one. Uh, you know, you got Dame at 30 to one. I'm probably not really going that far anyway. 
I think some of the interesting bets here, uh, and I'll kind of go through them a bit. I think that Tatum is a little interesting, but I always think that he lags just a touch in some of these advanced metrics. Like last season, he was in about like 15th in EPM at plus 5.6 compared to Jokic at plus 7.9 and Bede 7.3. Even Dame was actually at plus 7.1, which I think is interesting. He just didn't really play nearly enough games. The other thing about this award is you have to play enough games to win the award now. So durability matters. And I think that that automatically makes it a little bit harder for a guy like Joel Embiid. Uh, Even Giannis, it makes it a little bit tougher for same with Kevin Durant, LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis. Those are all guys that have struggled to, you know, stay on the floor over the past couple of seasons. And they've gotten a bit older, like Jimmy Butler is kind of in that boat as well. My favorite bet, my favorite bet for this is Luka Doncic. Uh, I think that this is the year where they really developed a team that is built around his strengths. Um, they were missing a couple pieces last season. Like they made the Kyrie trade, and they kind of really needed to retool around around this roster for this season. So. My favorite acquisition that they made, uh, I'm a Grant Williams stan, and I think that that move was tremendous for them. Uh, It gives them a little bit of toughness on the interior. It gives them a lot more spacing because of his ability to shoot threes. And I think that it's just one of those moves where it was like the perfect kind of mid-level kind of guy to slot into this roster. Additionally, you're going to get a whole year of Kyrie Irving playing alongside Luka Doncic, presumably, right? Um, But I think that the stats that Luka is going to have to put up are going in order for this team to be good would have to be MVP worthy. So last year, he averaged 32.4 points per game uh, and then nearly an 8.6 rebounds, eight assists. Those numbers were better before the break than after the break. But I do think that the way that you bet on the Mavericks is to bet on Luka Doncic to win MVP. Um, it's tough, I think. I don't I don't really see much value in their individual team markets, whether it's win total, division, to win the title. I just I don't buy them all the way that far. I just I just don't. But I do think that there's significant value at Luka at plus 550 to win the MVP award. He's kind of hitting that time of the time of his career he's going to be 25 years old at the end of this season and this is his fifth or sixth season rather in the league uh the efficiency numbers are always a little wonky with luca he turns the ball over a lot uh 3.6 turnovers per game 4.4 turnovers per game over the course of his career uh we saw his three-point numbers kind of dip like he's kind of he's only at like 34 ish percent so that's a little concerning but i do think that Luca is the type of player to continue to improve. I think that he really just was not, he really wasn't happy last season. Uh, it was like a rough effort. They kind of wound up in a soft tank basically at the end of the season, despite trading for Kyrie Irving and in an effort to preserve their draft pick from the New York Knicks. So like, fuck you guys. But I do think that this is a spot where I like Luca to really excel and see a great year And especially considering the fact that I have injury, I have concerns about the injury health of some of these other players like Giannis, Embiid, Durant, Curry, like all in this area that I think this is a great spot for Luka and the number is just too long at plus 550. Um, I think that Tatum is also an interesting play. Generally, like I said before, I don't think that Tatum 
Tatum's metrics line up great, right? But I do think the thing that's interesting about Tatum this season is the team has made an effort to be a little bit more offensive-minded, right? And the other part about this is with the lack of, you know, like they they were able to get, you know, they kept Drew Holiday or they got Drew Holiday and they kept Derek White. But from a size perspective, you are now trusting Tatum to continue to rebound the basketball. If Tatum's able to score 30 points a game, grab 10 rebounds and dish out like four or five assists, those are tremendous numbers, especially on a team that should be, in theory, one of the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think that this is a spot where he's also kind of hitting that point of his career, where he's in that threshold of like, is he, you know, is he going to make that jump to the MVP threshold? Is he going to make that leap to the MB- MVP echelon? I don't know. I never really thought of him as like being able to do that. But I think that the number and the fact that the team, I think, is going to be so good. And they it's different to me than what they did in Milwaukee. And the reason is that Dame has been like a loose MVP candidate in previous years. Boston didn't do that. They improved the team, but they didn't add like another MVP-ish caliber player. Tatum is clearly still the alpha. He's clearly still the top dog. And that's why I'm definitely a little bit interested in it. And I'm also interested in the fact that even though, you know, they got a Derek White, they got a Drew Holiday, I think that Tatum's ability to dish, and we kind of saw that in the playoffs between the rebounding and the assisting, that he's going to be able to kind of maybe take a little bit more of a step forward and continue to lead this team as a clear number one option, uh, even though Jalen Brown also signed his Supermax deal, which, you know, we talked about as being one of the, one of our worst contracts so far in the NBA. So, I think that those are a couple of the players that I like, at least in the shorter odds. If I'm looking longer, I think that Booker is interesting. I question whether or not he's going to have the scoring volume. I just don't think that it's going to be there playing alongside of Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. And I think that any uptick in assists isn't necessarily going to be enough uh, just for him to win the award. I think that Shea is also interesting. Last year, 31.4 points per game, 4.8 rebounds per game, 5.5 assists per game. My concern with Shea is some of the commentary from Oklahoma City. We're looking at this. Oklahoma City is one of our like darlings from the betting market. And we're saying like Oklahoma City is going to contend. They're going to be a playoff team. They're somebody to bet for, you know, like they're they're under, which actually means they're they're better in terms of their seeding to make the playoffs, to make the play in, to advance, like whatever. When we look at what their win total is. They are like a fringe playoff team. They're a play-in team, like right dead smack of there in the Western Conference, which is laden with title contending teams. Like the West is tough. My concern with Oklahoma City and Shea is that I don't think that they're going to make moves necessarily to spend more. We heard Presty talk about this because everybody was like, well, like, are you going to cash in your chips? Are you going to get the assets? Like, are you going to go get these guys? And he basically was like, no, like I don't, we haven't seen that out of this team yet. We haven't seen them be a playoff team. We haven't seen them be like a top tier team in the West. 
we're not, why would we cash in yet? Like they haven't proven that to us. Like we know that we have a, we have a great player in Shea. We know we have a nice young rookie now in Chet. Jalen Williams was also very good. Josh Giddy has been good, but is that the move that we want to do right now? Or do we want to develop it, see how this fits and then make a determination next season and say like, okay, well, can Chet play the five or does he really have to play the four? So that's my concern with Shea. I think if I was going to bet on Shea, I would be looking at him to maybe lead the league in points per game as a more viable option as opposed to him winning MVP. Obviously, the 18 to 1 is nice, you know, and that's like that's a great number to win MVP. But I think I struggle to see it because I don't think that he's going to be coming from a top tier team in the Western Conference or in the NBA just overall. I think that the better play is Shea's four to one to lead the league in scoring. So if that's kind of the angle that you want to take, he was right there last year. Uh, I think that he's gotten better. The bag has gotten better. The spacing should get a little bit better with Chet at the five, uh, being able to stretch the floor a bit more. That's kind of the angle that I would look at to back Shea Gilgis-Alexander this season. So those are just a couple of my thoughts on MVP. I don't really think, I, I wouldn't really go further down than that at this point in time. I don't see a ton of value on guys like Dame, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Edwards, Anthony Davis, Kawhi. Um, one of the only players that I think I could find some significant value on would be a guy like Zion Williamson, but I don't trust the health. I just don't. And I think that if you're betting on Zion to be healthy, that's a spot where you're going to say like, well, could the Pelicans be the one seed? Uh, could the Pelicans be like a top tier team in the West? Like, could they lead the league in wins if Zion's healthy? Because I think that Zion's an absolutely dynamic player as long as he's on the court. But I don't know if I want to back him for an MVP bet or if I'd rather just back the Pelicans just generally on his health. So those are some of my MVP thoughts. I'm betting on Luka. Uh, that's my favorite bet for MVP. And I don't really see too much value on the board otherwise. And I'm curious about Tatum, but I think there might be a better opportunity to buy him a little bit later. And same with even guys like Jokic. I'm not going to play him early in the season. That might be a spot where if somebody starts off to like a really hot start, Jokic falls down. Maybe you can get him over 10 to 1 or 15 to 1, something like that. Maybe that's a buy spot for me, but definitely not at this short of a number at this point in the season. So my best bet, Luka Doncic, MVP. Book it, bet that before the start of the NBA season. Producer Corey, how are yes, you doing Joseph. after listening to my diatribe? Nothing. I'm just excited for your official NBA preview now. Hey, can't wait. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, what do we got? What do we got on the slate today? What do we got for uh, pods and recs for the people? It's hockey season, fellas. We already pretty much gave the game up when you started talking to me today. <laughs> Make a puck line bet this week and live life to the fullest. Anyone, I don't care what not. game it is. Pick a team minus one and a half and just feel the fa feel the power. You want to really live? Rope a couple of those together for a parlay. Just do it. I have no picks for you. It's the beginning of the season. God knows what's going to happen. Absolutely. I love do it. it. I love it. Um, I have, to recommend, a, I have to recommend a food, obviously. Duh. Um, are we in right soup now, season? Can you confirm yet? It is. It's definitely soup season. Um, I had I had a nice wonton soup yesterday. Turn the heat on and start making soup. It was great. I had a nice wonton soup yesterday. It was nice. Um, so we'll actually I, I will recommend wonton soup. Do you like the wonton egg drop combo? 
Not for me. Yeah, it's 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 hit or miss. It depends on the place, I think, because sometimes it just gets a little bit too. There's just too much. Definitely um, specific. Yeah, so I, okay, I I'm a little specific. bit more of a like a wonton guy lately. Uh, I used I grew up on egg drop, like loved egg drop, but now I'm just like ah, like I think I want the wontons. What's your so, thought on the soup dumpling? Yeah, and and I do like. I do like um I do like the little crackers that they give you like the little like the noodle things. Didn't you just tell me those are fried wontons by the way? Yeah. Um didn't you just tell me you were pro fucking uh croutons over crackers and soup? Yeah, but they're not really crackers cuz they're like interesting. It's Chinese, you know? It's the Chinese food option. Like yeah, you know, I'm not going to put a crouton in a wonton soup. That's crazy. Mm. It's That's it's what a different we call fusion, Joseph. Uh, restaurants oh. dedicated to it. I have enough. Some say they do two different kinds of food poorly instead of just one. Well, <laughs> I have enough fusion in my genetics. Uh, I don't. I don't need to put croutons. You dropping tomatoes in your wonton soup instead? It's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, the other thing is, so I actually just ran into this scenario, and uh, since I'm moving, congrats to me. Um, I was redoing my like insurance. So like always like check your insurance stuff. Cause like number, you're kind of supposed to, but double down on this one, buddy. I just had to swap car insurances because Geico and I'll, that's what, I don't give a fuck. That's what I was about to bitch about. Tripled my fucking payments. So ready for, yeah. So I just did this and I, I changed it from where I currently am living to where I'm moving. And it's a much lower crime area. And I was like, this Less is populated. great. It's less populated. There's a lot less going on. And my price went down. My price went down about 30% for my six-month period. Great. I get another email. And I was like, did they just like, because I, I got them. I, I'm like older. I'm like, I, I get like, I got to get stuff. So like, I've got the, right now, like I got the renters. I got the homeowners. I got the, I got the umbrella. And I got the car insurance. So I got a, I got a message. Like I got a, like an email. Fucking bundle boy like, over here. Yeah, it was crazy. But it was like, your your monthly payment is 457 a month and i was like is that everything like that still seems high so i was 457, like 457 you poor 457. thing 457 so like oh wait monthly I, well cuz right now i was paying 2 like 200 and then the monthly. new rate was going to be like 120 ish a month right that's normal ish normal ish Geico then Best goes you can do in new yeah, jersey they go, we changed our underwriting. And oh, I didn't even get an explanation. No, so because I called. So Me they too. said so Hours they said on the phone. They, they changed their underwriting and that any like citations or tickets that you might have had like ever, like within yep. the last five years. That's what I got. Are now being added to your stuff. So like I like not to name names, but you know. There was an issue with the policy, <laughs> so so we so ba so basically like they were like, well, your price actually because you're moving, your price is the four fifty seven. I was like, wait, you're telling me it was gonna be higher if I stayed where I was? She goes, yeah, it was gonna be eight hundred a month, and I was like, are they smoking crack? I was like, are you for real? Dude, I was like, Geico is in big a trouble. Month? This is everyone I've spoken to about this, and you're like maybe the twelfth person says that they all swapped because of the same shit this year. Yeah. So what I was gonna recommend is like shop your car insurance here and get over that verbal threshold, you New Jersey listeners. Yeah. Well, Some legal you know, advice. 
if it's that's always one of those like are you going to keep it or are you going to get rid of it what do you want to do but um it definitely saves you some bucks if you don't have it but i, I can't understand. believe they pulled that shit they were like oh you have two convictions in the last two years or two, i was uh, like five you, years the fact like, first that they off, like i pled guilty nobody convicted me of jack shit thank you very much joseph did not put me behind bars for this <laughs> i pled out okay Dude. did i want to get a fucking attorney in virginia to argue that I wasn't fo- like following too close to this guy and that he slammed on his brakes? No, I don't have that kind of money. Convictions is also just a crazy way to frame that. Like no nobody shit. thinks of a traffic violation as a conviction. No, no you know, you pled guilty. That's different. So, the irony of the whole thing is though, like, so I went back to I had travelers before. I have travelers now. They had the best price, so I don't care. Free ad. There, there was the best. There's the best price. So if you listen this far, you don't even care about the free ad. The thing is, they looked at it and they go, Oh, you have a violation. It's like from 2019. It like it, it was, it was a guilty plea or whatever. Like you paid, you went, you took the plea in January of 2019. So they were like, I think the price changed on the premium over the course of a six month time frame, like $3 because of that. That's so nothing. they were like, I was like, it's nothing. I was like, you got like, it was just, the number was just insane. That guy, dude, I was paying for me. 740 every six months right yeah that's what i was supposed to be at and i was i got this like reminder like hey october end of october we're gonna october 30th here's your price and i was like excuse me that's what i said it was like almost twenty eight hundred dollars i was like are you fucking crazy yeah so i i don't know who's gonna have convicted boy anymore fuck geico it's also one of those things like people I don't know if people like completely understand that you can just cancel your car insurance and go to a different company. Like make sure Anytime. that you don't make sure that you have like overlap coverage. Yeah, don't, don't lapse. lapse. But, but you can, you can literally can't you can cancel at any time. Like if don't you pay fuck like, it. Yeah. You if you paid like now through like the end of the year, you can literally cancel and they have to re- they just refund you. It's it's unbelievable. It's the best. So yeah, please. Yeah, so definitely keep, you know, kind of keep all that in mind um, because, you know, you got to you gotta make sure that you have insurance. This isn't like blackjack or something like that where it's just like generally a losing bet. You got to make sure that, you know, you're protected. Your assets are protected. Make sure that you keep that excess cash in the bankroll. Make a puck line parlay with it. And let's cash that. 